Welcome to the Fmind Podcast, where we talk about the human aspects of trading and investing, the psychological, the emotional, the behavioral challenges of working with risk, markets, and uncertainty. The Fmind Podcast is co-hosted by Mark Randall and Stephen Goldstein and sponsored by the Society of Technical Analysts. Today, it is just me, Stephen Goldstein, on my own. Normally, as you know, it's myself and Mark talking together, but unfortunately, Mark wasn't able to make it today. And being one of our midsummer episodes, we decided to go with just the two of us talking. That was the plan. But as it happens, it's just going to be me doing a brain dump. And the topic that I've decided to come up with is, is how you need to be for the market to win and what you can do about it. Before we go to the podcast, just a few words about our podcast sponsor, the Society of Technical Analysts and their brilliant home study course. The home study course has been put together by some of the leading technical analysts in the financial markets. It is based on the technical analysis diploma program, which has been taught at the London School of Economics over the past decade. If you want, you can take the home study course and also complete a diploma program as well. The home study course goes really in depth into technical analysis, different aspects of technical analysis, and into how to use technical analysis in the market. It is so much more than just what you would find anywhere else out there on the internet. And if you really do want to learn how to look at markets, how to analyse price action, how to get and find value in the markets. This is a brilliant and highly professional course for you to look at. You can find out more about it on our webpage, alpha-mind.net. And if you go through us, you can get a 100 British pound discount on the price of the home study course. You can find out more about the Society of Technical Analysts, the STA, on their website, technicalanalysts.com. Thank you very much. Now on with the podcast. So the theme of today's talk and what is really a brain dump by me is about how the market needs you to be for it to win and you to lose and what you can do about it. And that might seem like quite a unusual title, maybe a slightly cryptic title. Uh, Let me give you a little bit of background and context where it's coming from. Over the past couple of years I've been writing a book. I'm delighted to tell you that that book will be published by Harriman House in January 2024. It's been a a very deep investment in my time and my energy and resources. Uh, the, The book is called or will be called Mastering the Mental Game of Trading and it really draws on a number of areas of of my experience. So just to give you a little bit more background, I have been in the markets for close to four decades, working both in trading and then working as a performance coach with traders from right across the markets, in all markets, at all levels of experience, from relatively new retail traders close to the start of their career, right up to very senior portfolio managers, uh, in some cases partners at major hedge funds, who have got over three decades of experience in the markets. I suppose one of the questions you may be asking is, why would these people need a coach if they're so experienced and so good? Everyone needs a coach, and that is the answer. Everyone can be better. Everyone has potential in them, which is untapped. Everyone occasionally suffers a setback and has to try and rediscover their potential or their abilities. I'm not a coach in the sense of being a trainer who teaches the skills and what I call the basic fundamentals of trading. That is something that most people have to learn at the very beginning of their career. 
and then which is a lifelong learning process. That is what I call the outer game of trading. As a coach, I work on what is called the inner game of trading. Um, what is happening within the person? How are they taking in everything from the outside world and allowing that to affect and impact them? And then impact how they execute their process how they execute in the markets whilst meeting the outside. Um, that's where the process is played. That's where the mental game is played. In this fine line between these two worlds, the outer world and the inner world. Um, for the first 25 years of my career, I was a trader working at uh, investment banks in the London markets, predominantly the rates, FX and bond markets. Um, I held a number of different roles. Uh, in my early days, I was somewhat more involved in arbitrage and then market making. Later in my career, I was a propriety trader, probably more involved in either short-term trading or latterly more longer-term directional risk. Um, so, so that was my background as a trader for nearly 25 years. After that, I decided to have a career change and start working as a coach. I trained as an executive coach um, and I still do practice executive coaching. But I started to work mostly with people from the domain I was familiar with, the trading world. So everything that's gone into my book has been based on my own experiences as a trader. And later, the enormous amount of learning I got from having very in-depth conversations with people from right across the financial markets at different times of their career, at different stages of their career, facing different challenges. I also went on a lot of learning and development processes as a coach. So I trained as a coach. I went through an extensive training program with a couple of different coaching organizations and working with a number of different mentors. And I also trained in various areas of psychotherapy, including studying areas such as family therapy, trauma, and and understanding far more deeply how we engage with uncertainty and complexity. And all those things have come together into a number of models and thoughts which have become this book, Mastering the Mental Game of Trading, which will be out early, as I say, in 2024. This is my first plug and it will be the first of many plugs and we'll be doing for the book over the next year. Uh, and another thing I want to plug, which is also fed into this, is we've been doing a lot of workshops, myself and Mark, over the past year with organisations, large trading organisations, working with their trading talent, helping them think about their inner game and their process and taking a new perspective on their job as traders in markets, whatever sort of trading they do. And of course, there's many different styles of trading. And these workshops we've conducted with groups of traders from major commodity trading firms, major energy trading firms and major investment banks. So again, there's a small plug there if you're from a, a large organisation and you want to perhaps take a new and different look at trading development, how to encourage your traders to maybe take a new look at what they do, a new angle, and start to work on who they are as traders so they can be more effective. And that, to me, sort of brings this, segues nicely into this discussion, which is about what does the market want us to be? How does the market want us to be? What does the market want from us? And I'm going to bring in a metaphor here or an analogy, um, one that is one of many metaphors and analogies I use when when running these workshops or when uh, writing the book. And, and just to add a little bit 
my colleague who is not with us today, Mark, also helps uh, deliver the workshops. We do them together. And we know from the feedback we've had that the uh, the results of these workshops are often very profound for the people who turn up. We've had comments as varied as, you know, I wish I'd have known this at the start of my career, not 30 years later. And I've learned more about trading in these four workshop sessions than I've learned in 14 years, which uh, it sounds a little bit ridiculous, but it was actually a comment given to us. And what we really, I think why he said that is we really learn about you or you really learn about you when you're on these workshops when the people are on these workshops and that's not something we do we don't often look at us we look at what we can do what we can do to be better what we can do to be more effective what we can do with engaging with markets but we very rarely turn that back on us and look at how we are how we're being and how we can be more effective when facing these hugely challenging this hugely challenging job against the markets so the analogy and the metaphor and I've, I've slightly gone off track as I can see and I, I, I do do that I, I ramble a little bit the metaphor is about poker now I'd like you to think about what you do in terms of what you do as a trader however you trade it's like a giant game of poker. I mean, that's a good analogy. I mean, when you think about the risk and uncertainty element that is part of trading, poker has many similarities. And in fact, many of the very best traders I've worked with have been engaged in activities that are poker or akin to poker. I would say poker and bridge in particular, games of chance, games of skill, games where you have to bring the best to yourself and be focused on what you're doing at all times. So, so when you play poker, okay, imagine you're in a game with eight other players and imagine they are all roughly the same level as you roughly as knowledgeable about the game as you uh, maybe technically as skilled as you there is a lot of randomness in the way the cards are dealt complete randomness you could say and there's only a few strategies you can use and pretty much everyone knows those strategies and you know they will play them slightly differently depending on their own preferences and who they are but generally the game is largely random you know a, a, a an individual who's been playing just a couple of months can play in a game with a world champion and beat them in a one-off game. That is luck. That is randomness. Although if he plays 100 games in a row with those world champion, you could probably pretty much bet, um, if you pardon the pun, your last dollar that the world champion is going to come out on top almost to a very high degree most of the time. So coming back to this, this idea, you're sitting around a table. There's eight of you playing poker the odds of who's going to win at the beginning probably one in eight in a blind test if they're all roughly the same skill the person who's going to win is going to be a combination of those who are luckiest on that game and those who can not go on till and not be affected by things happening in the environment by the way the cards are dealt the way the cards fall the way a hand goes the way the interaction between the players goes see what every other player in that game wants for you is to go on tilt and to then allow that going on tilt to get to them and for them not to recover during the game from going on tilt you want they want your game to be affected by that they need you to lose it they need you to lose the plot they need you to lose your ability to be present to what's happening they need you to start making errors in your process in your game they need you to play badly they need you to start making bad bets and sizing ridiculously they need you to undersize when the cards fall your favor and oversize at just the wrong time. They need you to take flyers. They need you to play a game where 
You just start hoping where your process is no longer what's driving your game. They need your ego to come into your game and take over so that any chances of you following good process, of staying present to that process, of playing to your purpose, of playing with purpose, of being outcome focused, of resulting, of allowing yourself to believe that the world is conspiring against you. That is what the other seven players need because you can be pretty certain that when that happens, your money to a very high degree of probability is going to become theirs and then they move on to the next one they need the next one to go on tilt full tilt ideally but even a little bit of tilt even a little bit of not believing in themselves of doubting themselves of forgetting their process of doing daft things of doing things that would not be to their best advantage they need them the next one to lose and as you go around it that that next person's money becomes theirs Let's do theirs. Let's call that the collective of the other players. And the last one standing wins it all. Maybe if it's a game where first, second, third win and they share it between them, maybe that's okay. Maybe it stops there. But imagine that game played a hundred times. The one who goes on tilt the least, probably not the luckiest one, maybe the one who's got more experience to a degree. But over time, the person who goes on tilt least wins. Now that is a powerful message. And it's the same in trading. Trading is a giant game of poker and like any game of poker it's always you versus everyone else and of course it's everyone else versus you them versus you you versus them you versus the collective you versus the market you versus everyone else and what does everyone else in that game of poker want you to do What does the collective want you to do? And then what does the market want you to do? What does the market want? It wants you to make mistakes. It wants you to lose the plot. It wants you to learn how to not really play the game properly. It wants you to believe that with a very small starting pot, you can make ridiculous amounts of money without much experience. It wants you to fall victim to these individuals who tell you that they can teach you trading in a few weeks. And you just need to follow their signals rather than develop your own process, your own way of working, your own method, learning it yourself, understanding yourself, creating your own processes over time. They want you to rush it. So trading is a very skilled activity, a highly skilled practice. And to become good at it takes years. So they want you thinking you can become good at it in a few short weeks and then you can start playing your money at the table against everyone else when you're not ready. And here's one of the great ironies of trading. You have to do it because the only way you can really learn is through experience. But normally you end up doing it wrong. You end up over committing. You end up overplaying your hand. You end up playing the game far too much commitment when you're not quite ready. And you are expendable because you will be replaced by someone else. Someone else will take your seat at the table. You'll be gone. Um, So really, you have to learn to last because it's not just about surviving. It's learning to survive and learning to thrive. And that's where this analogy works. And it keeps working. It works throughout careers, you know, and it works in so many subtle ways. It wants you to make the errors. It wants you to lose the plot. It wants your mindset to fall apart. Now, when I coach traders, we, we explore together with what they're doing, how they're doing it, where maybe there's aspects of their being and how they are, how present they are to what they do, 
or how they lack presence when they need to have more presence and how that plays out in their trading, how they can do that more constructively, how they can think better, how they can be better. Because at the end of the day, that is then turning up to the table in a better place, better frame of mind, better mindset, better being stance, more ready and able to both thrive and survive. Let me share an exchange I had with a client just a couple of weeks ago, someone this week, when I was telling them about my own experiences from early in my career. So so I, I started as a trader in the mid-1980s working for a Japanese bank here in London. And I, I learned the early parts of the game, the what you would call the fundamentals, the basics. And I realized that I didn't really have a clue what I was doing. Um, I wasn't a position taker. I didn't know where the market was. Um, and I realized I had to find a way to somehow stay in the game, survive, learn and make money in those early days. And I latched on very early to uh, being an arbitrage trader. That, that's not someone who really has open risk. You do have risk, but you have a different sort of risk. It's uh, The way to call it is maybe basis risk risk and you're not exposed to the daily moves of the market. You're taking two positions that are more or less matched off, but where there's a, a small profit, a very thin profit, but you do it in large size. Um, and that, that's often where the risk comes, but you don't realise it at the time. It's it's kind of hidden in there. And you're, you're, you're playing two relationships or a relationship between these two instruments that you hope stays pretty steady. When it goes too far, you're trying to take advantage of it. And when it comes in and it narrows and it goes the other way, you might try and offset things to reduce some of that exposure, that long-term exposure. And it's it, it, it's not too dissimilar to the glitch trading that David Hale talks about. He was on the podcast just a few weeks ago. He wrote a brilliant book called Reminiscences of a Day Trader. And he talked about his style, which was really what he called a, a glitch trader, which is a great, great way of looking at the markets, um, looking for what he calls glitches, that these glitches appear regularly and periodically in markets. And if you're quick enough and fast enough, you can start to learn where they are and start to take advantage of them. And, and like I say, you know, it, it, it's it's great book for any retail trader, but actually I think it's got a lot of value for people in the institutional game as well. But I'm, I'm going off, off track slightly, as I tend to do. Um, but get, getting back to this theme, my own development, I was that arbitrage trader for probably the first six to seven years of my career. Those arbitrage opportunities started to disappear as the market matured into the 90s. And I was also becoming less interested in that style of trading. But it given me quite a good six or seven years to learn about markets, learn about how they work, learn about the way they behave and misbehave, learn about really where you can find value. You know, I used that time to start taking some directional trades, started experimenting. And, and then I felt I was ready to go out and start taking directional risk in the market. I had, I, I was running a market making book at a bank, but I had the opportunity using that book to position myself directionally in the markets and try and add extra value. And whether I was lucky or not, my first year went fantastically well. That was, as I said, seven years into my career and I made a lot of money for the bank. I was fated and almost sort of given a, a little bit of an internal champion status. And they promoted me to a proprietary trading desk where I could trade just about anything I want. And that, that had mixed results. I learned a lot there. 
that when I reflected back upon, I did a lot of silly things. One was thinking that I could trade any market, that I was an expert in trading rather than markets, when actually I was really an expert in just one particular market or, or at least a particular type of market. And that cost me a lot of money. But I also had some difficult interactions with people in a very competitive environment. And sometimes trading environments will bring the worst out of people. They might be good people, but the, the environments are very competitive, very challenging, very tough. And I didn't necessarily necessarily deal with that in the best way I could. And after a good couple of years, I lost my way a little bit as a trader. I moved on to another bank that really was not a particularly great trading bank. I was well paid, so I think I became a bit institutionalized. But I wasn't trading well, I wasn't performing. I'd kind of lost my confidence, lost my edge, and never really backed myself. And I think if I had backed myself, if I had trusted myself, if I hadn't suffered a loss of confidence, I probably would have moved on onto somewhere else and and traded very well. And I did do that quite a few years later, actually, after working with a coach who helped me get past that period. But it was it was a lot of wasted years in between. And that's what I mean about there's aspects about trading, you know, which which hit us subtly that we don't always look at that put us on tilt. So for a, for a couple of years, you know, first seven, eight years of my career, traded well, learned the game, tried different things, experimented, and then started making a lot of money. And and, and I think I showed I had a talent, a skill, but then it, it was stuff from outside of trading. You know, other people, situations, contexts, which found me and they found my weak spots. And, and that's what I'm saying about the market. In poker, the other players find your weak spot. They're always probing. The collective, not necessarily individually even, but the collective finds your weak spot and then it starts digging it. That's what the market did. Not overnight, not in one day, but it found my vulnerability. And I can honestly tell you that from doing this job, from having these thousands of hours of in-depth conversation with people, from right across the age level, the spectrum, everyone has a vulnerability. It's human nature. We are made that way. That's how we are. We are exploitable. We have frailties. We're not perfect. No one is. It's impossible to be. And that's what the market will find. We are all fallible. And and, and knowing that, knowing that you're fallible is not something you carry around with you because you don't want to believe you are. You need a lot of self-belief to do this job. You need to be confident, okay? You need to, you you need not to doubt yourself, but make some allowance for doubting because you need to stay humble. You don't want to be overconfident or arrogant because that's another vulnerability that will find you. But, you know, it's hard and... Rather like around that giant game of poker, the market needs those frailties to come out. They need them to be seen. They need them to be available to them. And they need you not to notice them. They need you to kind of react in the wrong way. They don't want you to be present. See, being present is really where great performance comes from. Nearly every great trader I have met is totally present to their process, their trading market themselves and i'm going to read a quote in a minute which really captures this but first let's just have a quick break to hear about our podcast sponsor the society of technical analysts the society of technical analysts the sta is a not-for-profit body member-led which works purely and exclusively for the benefit of its members and runs a brilliant home study course on technical analysis. The home study course is based on the diploma program, which they have been delivering for many years at the world-renowned London School of Economics. You can get a £100 discount on the cost of this course. Visit the AlphaMind website, alpha-mind.net, for further details. Now, back to the podcast. Now, I'm going to read out a quote taken from 
the brilliant Netflix documentary, The Last Dance. If you haven't seen it yet, I would highly recommend spending some time watching, I think it was eight episodes. It is fantastic. If you have seen it, (laughs) you'll know you should watch it again at some point. It is so good. It's about the Chicago Bulls uh, basketball team of the 1990s, and in particular, Michael Jordan. Now, there was a quote in there by a sports writer whose name was Mark Vanseel. And it was in the last episode. And this is what he said of Jordan. His gift was not that he could jump high, run fast, shoot a basketball. His gift was that he was completely present. And that was the separator. He didn't allow what he couldn't control to get inside his head. He would say, why would I think about missing a shot I haven't taken yet? Now, let that sink in with you a little bit, okay? It's not your ability to analyse markets. It may not even be your execution skills or your risk management skills. These are all important. These are all technical aspects of the game. That's what I call the outer game, okay? And you need to be highly qualified in those, of course, to succeed. But for them, for trading, those aren't the separators. It's the ability to be present, to not be owned to not go on tilt. And when you do go on tilt, because everyone goes on tilt sometimes, some people go on soft tilt, some go full full tilt or hard tilt, but to recover quickly, to get out of it, to come back from it, to get back on process. And sometimes soft tilt is much harder to recover from than hard tilt because soft tilt is subtle. You may not even realise it. Usually with hard tilt, you'll spot it. And you can do something about it. Now, if I go back to my story, that was an example of soft tilt. And soft tilt is the worst because it becomes penetrative. It gets underneath your skin. It stays within you and you don't even notice it. And and it can become something that then lingers and lasts. And it can last for days, weeks, months, even years in many cases. And I often talk to people who somewhere along the line went on a kind of soft tilt. And it ate away at them. And they never quite got out of it. And then their process changed. And their behaviours changed. And then they were doing the wrong things for what they needed to do. And, and, you know, just processing that sometimes. And realising, not dealing with it as much, you know, but letting go. I mean, that's why that letting go, this whole concept that we talk about quite often is so important, putting a line under it. But letting go can be just about resetting and then getting back to what you do well. And that's that's what the great performers do. They can do it in the moment. You know, I often talk about an individual who I coached, an incredible trader many years ago. And I used to describe his ability to almost watch himself as he did his job. It was It was almost like a a unique human skill. Like he could step out of himself and see himself in the moment. That's what I would call extreme presence. Okay? That's, I would guess, what Mark Vansier was talking about with Michael Jordan. So Michael Jordan was not owned. He was not on tilt. And when he was on tilt, he would process it. You can hear him talking about it without using the words or terminology I'm using. You know, 
he would work harder than anyone else. In practice, in training, off the court, trying to work out what we've got to do to change, what we've got to do to adjust. He would listen to other people. You know, Phil Jackson, his coach, used to say to him sometime, you know, Michael, we've got to change your game. We've got to change the way we're working. And what that meant was that he wasn't going to make as many points as he would early in his career in a game, but he was going to be more useful and valuable to the team overall. And that was really important in the success of both Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. And that's what we talk about quite often. That's presence. That's purpose. What is the purpose here? Is the purpose or was the purpose for Jordan to score the most points? Or was the purpose for them to become the NBA champions? And sometimes one doesn't always equal the other. And Jordan was open to that. He was present to that. He was aware of that. He focused on what he needed to do to win his purpose. Not the outcome. The outcome follows that. When you have a goal fixation, when you believe you've got to make a certain amount of money, you kind of lose the plot a little bit. You help yourself go on tilt. That's where you make yourself vulnerable. That's what the market wants you to do. That's what the market needs you to do. That's what the other players in the game need you to do. They need you to go on tilt. They want you to go on tilt. So what can you do about it? What can you do to help yourself? What are you doing to help yourself? What are you doing to make yourself as successful as can be? Are you just trying to do it yourself? Or are you using others, working with others? Are you just doing your trading and then going home? Or are you sitting back, looking at what you did, examining your trading, reflecting on it, maybe journaling, writing a notebook? Are you trying to get better? Are you doing courses? Are you trying to improve your outer game and your inner game? That's why we we love to work with the Society of Technical Analysts. You know, a lot of people say, do I need to invest time on a technical analysis program? It's very easy to just learn from a five-minute YouTube course, buying a book. There's nothing quite like doing a course. It's not cheap, but it's not cheap because it's good. Here's me doing a little plug for our sponsor. But the reason we work with the Society of Technical Analysts is because we believe they're a great organisation and we believe they, they run a great programme. Their in-person programmes have been delivered at the London School of Economics and King's College in London. And they do a great programme. I actually lecture on the behavioural finance seminar that is part of that programme. And their home study course is available to everyone. Um, that's working on becoming better in your outer game. But what about your inner game? What are you doing there? Are you working with coaches? Are you perhaps speaking with other people, comparing what you do? Or are you locked inside your head? I, as a trader, became locked inside my head. And I didn't know that I needed external help. And in fact, when it was offered to me, I rejected it immediately. That was my ego. That was my ego coming in. Just when I needed that help, I rejected it. Um, I was fortunate. My arm was kind of twisted. 
um, and I've spoken about this in some of the podcasts before, but working with a coach was the most incredible moment of my career. It was the pivotal moment that got me out of that. What really was, I would say, a five-year soft tilt um, where I'd lost my way as a trader. I'd lost my confidence. I'd lost my ability. I became moody. I saw the world as dark and threatening. I was on tilt, and that's what the market needed me to be. That's how it needed to be. That's what the market needs for everyone, because your money becomes theirs. Remember that. It's like the poker game. And the only way you can fight back is to become present, to develop your presence, to develop your game, to become better at it, to understand the game more. We don't even have a great understanding of the game. We are all playing this game that most of us have a very poor understanding of. I'm not talking about how markets work now. I'm not talking how to find value. I'm not even talking about risk management. I'm not talking about analysis. I'm talking about at a deeper level. What is this game we're playing? Do you really understand it? Do you really know what you're doing? Do you really know how you're meant to be? And do you know how you get yourself? Because tilt, tilt state is everything. The opposite of tilt is being present, being fully present, being engaged with it, being open to it, being open to the ideas that come your way. Seeing the value in the market, knowing when to do things right, when to reset when it goes wrong, when to not internalise it, blame yourself or blame the outside world. The outside world is just doing what it does. We, we often hear the game is rigged, is rigged against us. Okay? Yes, it is. It's you versus the rest of the world. Okay? And the rest of the world wants you to go on tilt. When you play poker, it's rigged against you because it's you and the seven other players. 1v7. And they all want you to go on tilt. And you want them to go on tilt. You're part of that seven to everyone else in that game. So yes, it is rigged just as a byproduct of that. And and it doesn't help that we are often helping it. So yes, that's what I mean when I say that's what the market needs you to be. That's how the market needs you to be. And I think it helps to make a note going forward somewhere to remind yourself what the market wants for you. It wants you to lose for it to win. At a micro level, you're just one of millions of people in that market and it needs you to lose. And you're doing everything possible to help it by not helping yourself. So when I work with people, and I have a lot of people ask me, can I coach them? They're people who have started to help themselves, who have started to look at themselves, started to examine themselves, started to invest in themselves. I only have very limited room <laughs> to work with a lot of people. So that's one of the limitations of coaching. Every coach can only work with so many people at one time. But there's a lot of great coaches out there. 
I'm not talking about the regular trading coaches. Most of them, and there's some very good ones despite there being far more charlatans. There's very good ones that, that teach the outer game, that teach systems, that teach positioning, that teach, but they can only teach you so much. They can't teach the inner game because their inner game is not the same as your inner game. And they're not inner game teachers. But there are other coaches out there who understand the inner game, who work in ways. We've had some of them on this podcast. I'm I'm not going to talk about them because I'm probably in danger more than anything of leaving out some really good teachers. And I don't want to do that. Not teachers, coaches. Um, And that's a good thing, by the way. (laughs) Separate the idea of a performance coach from a teacher. They're not the same. They won't teach you anything. They're working with you. They're not giving you instruction. That's what a teacher does. That's what a trainer does. That's often what outer game coaches do. Um, but also, you know, if you if you haven't got the time or the money to invest in that or can't find someone, start using a journal. We talk about it all the time. It's very simple. It could be a, a notepad. You could do online journals. I have a preference for writing. I think using a pen or pencil and paper gives you a different perspective. And just download what you're feeling, what you're thinking. And in the future, look back at those and see what patterns can you see about yourself? What can you learn about yourself in key moments? When you did things well, how were you being? When you did things bad, how were you being? What was in that? What was there? Perhaps you didn't even write things down, which is a sign of, you know, you were in too much pain to do it. Um, But it's a great reflective tool and it's so simple journaling. Um, Of course, you know, read books. There's many great books out there. Hopefully, Mastering the Mental Game will become one of them as we go through next year. Do courses. Um, Our course, at least at the moment, our our Alpha Mind workshop, is not available to private or retail traders. Um, That may change if if we start working with the body, which we may do. But for now, it's only available at the corporate level. But, you know, find mentors, find other people to connect with. Network. Don't just sit behind the screen on your own, not talking with other people. Try and get to conferences, events, talks. There's many put on worldwide. Hear other people talk. You know, watch YouTube videos. There's some brilliant people on YouTube out there. Um, there there's a lot of other things. You, you know, talk talk about what you're doing with friends, partners, wives. I know they don't understand trading, but they understand you and they want to help you. Um, don't lock yourself in. I've got to be really honest, I've got a very supportive wife, but even in those years, what I call my dark years, I, I locked myself in. I became very, very introverted. Um, when I look on it, back on it now, that was part of the tilt process. That really was me not helping myself. Um, and I just about survived, but I, I massively underperformed. I left vast amounts of money on the table. I was completely owned by the markets, the job, the situation that I was in. Um, I, I realise I'm, I'm not going to take up too much of your time. I hope you've listened and enjoyed something about this podcast. It's quite unusual. It's probably the first one where either myself or Mark has just spoken without conversing with someone else. I like to think I'm conversing with you out there. And if you've got anything to say on it, you know, uh, I'm on Twitter, on the Alpha Mind 101 
handle at Alphamine 101. Feel free to just say anything that you feel about that on Twitter or even DM me. I may not have time to answer your DM and I do apologise for that, but I do get round to reading all of them. Um, you can email me, stephen.goldstein at alpha my alpha-mind.net or info alpha-mind alpha-mind.net and those contact details are on our website alpha-mind.net and you'll hear me talking about if you read the book next year these reflections in the book and I, I tell many great stories of people that I've worked with over the years anonymously that hopefully will help you and inspire you in some way and perhaps it plays a key role in helping you turn a corner, whether you were once successful but perhaps struggling or whether you still haven't come across that success yet but you feel it's it's out there. Anyway, thank you for your time for listening today and I do wish you the best of luck. Take care. Bye-bye.